Our God is so, 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 so good. And he shows his goodness to us like every single day. He's able to reveal himself in the beauty of his majesty to us every single day. And this week, we, Pastor Nick and myself, like we had a, we had a wonderful week together in a conference where we were also able just to be together with another couple that's there simply hearing God's voice and, and showing God's goodness through their own ministry. This couple, they are actually like from Texas originally, and, and they were pastor in Texas, and even like they planted a church in Texas. God was speaking through their hearts about planting a church, and five years ago, they planted a church in Texas. And also, God was putting their hearts that they were supposed to focus on the next generation. They were supposed to build the next leaders. And with our church, the Church of Nazarene, globally, we have a new initiative called Next Gen, Next Generation. That is simply like a leadership development program to build up young leaders, youth, in our midst that they want actually to follow God's voice and do God's will in their lives. And yesterday, this couple, they came actually, they came here on Friday. They arrived here in, in Toronto with us. We had a youth rally together with a bunch of other youth with our church, with our church and also other churches all together. And yesterday, we had a, a wonderful day that they were developing a leadership training to all our young leaders. We had around 40 leaders, including like our own here youth from our church, that they all came and they were poured out like with God's win their lives. It was an amazing, amazing day. So I want to invite you, like actually we have the privilege of having them here with us this morning. And, and, and I, one of them is going to be speaking to us, Pastor Lindley Moser and Chris Moser, they're here. I want to ask just for them, just to stand where they are right now. And I want to ask the church, to, can you please just like show your appreciation for all of them? They come all from the way from Texas. Now they're like, they're, they're, they're just pastoring in St. Louis, Missouri. And it is wonderful to have you here. Pastor Lindley, please welcome here in our midst. And may God speak through your life. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I hope that you have already sensed uh, God's presence and that you are glad that you came to church today. There are many things that you could be doing on a Sunday morning, but you choose to be here in God's house. And I believe that God has a message for us today. So would you take just a moment and would you bow your heads? And I just want to ask the Lord to be with us this morning. Father, you are good. And Father, today we desire that in our next few moments together, Lord, that we would hear from your voice. Because Father, it is your voice and it is your word that has the power to change us and to change the world around us. We desire to hear no other word today but the word of God. So Father, speak, I pray now. Lord, we hide behind the shadow of your cross. We pray that it would take center stage. And Father, as we leave this place today, that we will be confident. There will be no doubt in our minds that we have heard from the King of all kings Amen. and the Lord of all lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, what an honor it is to be with you today. This is my first time ever in Canada, and I love it already. So uh, 
It's great to be here. We um, have some friends that are from Canada. We've already been told that we have to bring back ketchup chips and uh, Smarties that are chocolate and not fruit flavored and uh, poutine. Did I say that right? We've been poutine. I just get it wrong every time. So we've been told that we have to eat some poutine while we're here. And uh, so we're so excited to be here. We come from this little state in America called Texas. Now in Texas, we actually refer to ourselves as another country. Um, I think that's a little prideful on our part, but we are prideful of our state and we're proud of our state. But here's what I am so excited about. As, as we gathered today and as we worshiped and as we prayed together yesterday, what an honor it was to be with so many lo- uh, leaders and uh, so many students, the next generation rising up. It was so neat to uh, hear many of them uh, speaking in uh, their native tongue, French, and then we had some English speakers. Um, and it was so neat um, to think of that uh, yesterday and today as we gathered here to, together in in worship and prayer. I just thought about how beautiful the church of God is. That it transcends culture. It transcends language. It transcends any geographical space. And today God is hearing and receiving the worship of all of his people in all tongues, in all languages, from all cultures. What a big God we serve. And today we are going to be talking about what it really means to be on mission for God. Uh, Yesterday we we talked uh, with the next generation leaders and students about finding their place in God's mission in the world. We have the privilege of serving with the General Church for Next Gen and being able to speak to students from uh, different places, but we're also just uh, local church pastors as well. And so that's an exciting part to be not only a part of the local church and leading our church towards God's mission, but then to be a part of God's bigger mission in the world. And so we uh, uh, talk to students and our vision is to help students and help leaders find their place in God's mission in the world. But but the question is this morning, as we talk together about mission, if I were to ask you this question this morning, I wonder what would first come to your mind. What is your purpose in this world? I wonder when I ask that question, what is the very first thing that comes to your mind? It's such a simple question, and yet it's such a loaded question, isn't it? And, and then I wonder if we, if we took it even to a broader perspective, and I were to ask you today, what is your church's mission? I, I wonder what would be the first thing that might come to your mind as you think of that mission. It's a word that most of us are, are very familiar with, and if, if you've been a part of the church for very long, you've certainly heard this word mission before. And, and depending on your background and depending on how you've come to understand mission, your definition of what mission is might be very different than even the person sitting right beside you. So what exactly do we mean when we say the word mission? And as a God follower, how does our understanding of mission affect the way that we live our everyday ordinary lives. For many of us, we've come to understand mission 
as what we do as believers. Mission is what the church does. We see the purpose of the church as what we are doing. And maybe you hear the term mission, and and maybe you think of uh, the last overseas trip that you took as a church, and that's what you think when you hear the word mission. Or maybe you think of uh, the funds and the resources that you provide to a, a church that's maybe outside of your cultural context. And so when you hear the term mission, that's what you think of. You often think missionary, and you think of those people who are serving in a, a different context of than their own. But I, I wonder this morning, what if mission was much deeper than that? And what if we began to understand through God's word that mission is something that is a story for all of us? Imagine with me for the next few moments that we have together that when we talk about a mission, we're not just talking about the activity of the church and what the church does. Instead, we're talking about the very nature, the very being of who we are as the church. What if we could understand that mission is not what we do, it's who we are. In our day, we're seeing a significant shift in our understanding of the doctrine of Mission. It's referred to often as missio dei or missional God. The, the word missio is the Latin word for the English word sent. And so when we use this word missio dei or missional God, what we're really saying is that we serve a sending God. We serve a missionary God. We serve a missionary God who sent his son, Jesus, into the world. And then Jesus, we serve a missionary savior who then sent his spirit into the world to be with us. And now we serve this triune God who is sending us into the world with a purpose. And Jesus said this in John 20, 21, he said, as the Father has sent me, he says, so now I send you. Jesus says, in order to be Christian, in order to be my followers, is for you to participate in the very sending nature of my Father. And Jesus says, so as the Father sent me into the world, now I am sending you out into the world. I love what missiologist Alan Hirsch has to say. He says, there is no such thing as an unsent Christian. There's no such thing as an unsent Christian. If you are a Christian, if you are a God follower, then you are sent because that's what it means to worship the triune God who is missional in nature. And maybe you're here today and Maybe you have this deep longing to be a part of a greater story than your own. Or or maybe as a a church body, you you feel and sense this stirring within you to participate in what God is doing in the world around him. I love hearing about your church plant, your baby church. Isn't it fun to have babies? I love hearing about that. I love hearing that tonight you're going to be hearing from the pastor of your baby church. Having a baby is fun, isn't it? Having a baby is hard work too. Can I get an amen on that too? Amen. But it's what we are. 
It's what God's called us to do, to send out into the world, to reproduce ourselves and our faith and our God around us. So the question then becomes, if we are a sent people, then what does that look like for us? And what is the end goal of us being sent out into the world? Missiologist Daryl Guter, he said this. He said, mission is God's initiative rooted in God's purposes to restore and heal creation. I I love that if you were to go to the very first page of the book of Genesis all the way to the very last page of the book of Revelation, you see one story. You see one continuous story that God is writing on the pages of humanity. And it's quite simply, it's, it's a very simple story and yet a complex one at the same time. But it's simply this. It is God's story to redeem humanity back into relationship with him. That's his story. His story is to restore us and to redeem us back into a loving relationship with him. This is a redemptive story. And this is the mission of God in the world. God's mission in the world is to bring people back into relationship with him. That's his mission in the world. And he's invited us to be a part of this grand redemptive story that he is writing across the pages of humanity. And and here's what I hope that we hear today, church. If God has transformed you, if God has redeemed you, if you have personally experienced the power of God's redemptive story in your life, then according to God's word, we are told that once God has transformed us and redeemed us, then he is sending us out into the world to share his story with others. We are a sent people. We are a sent church. Can I get an amen? And the reason that we are that is because we believe that there's hope for a better way. I wonder if you have looked at the news lately and thought to yourself, we live in a hopeless world. I wonder when you walk into your workplace, do you think we live in a hopeless world? But see, the reality is we have a story of hope. Hope for marriages that are broken. Hope for children that have become prodigals. Hope for addicts who are in the throes of their addiction. Hope for people who have been given some kind of situation in their life where they just wonder if there is a God in heaven that could ever see them and love them. And church, we have the answer for the hope that they're searching for. And the question simply is, what will we do with this hope? Well, first we have to recognize that the message of hope is already at work in the world around us. See, God is already at work in the world around us. Church, the question simply is, will we join him there? See, God has always been at work in the world around us. I love what the message version of John 1.14 says in which we read about the source of hope that Jesus has, uh, that God has given the world through his son Jesus. And here's what it says. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, I love that. I love that vision. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. And he moved into our neighborhood. Amen. 
And he did so to bring us hope and peace. So when we talk about mission, and when we talk about mission as being sent, the question simply for you and for me and for us as God's people, the church is, where is God already at work and how will I join him there? See, I love when we gather together for moments like this. The Bible tells us do not neglect coming together as the people of God. I love moments like this. But listen, moments like this on a Sunday morning should inspire us to get out into the world where God is sending us to take his hope. It fires us up. We celebrate who God is. We get inspired for who God is, and then we move out into the world around us. So how exactly do we know what God is wanting to do in the world? I believe it's oftentimes when we take a 40, I like to call it a 40,000 foot bird's eye view perspective. Do there any people who like to fly in here? Do there any people that have to fly? You don't like it, but you have to, right? If you've ever, if you've ever um, taken a trip in, in an airplane, you know this. You know that uh, when you go up, pretty high, about 40,000 feet, you know that once you're above the, the landscape in the air, you can see the land from a different perspective, right? I mean, you can just, you can see it differently. And see, I think that oftentimes what God is saying to us as his people and to us as his church is, listen, I need you to go a little bit higher so that you can see the bigger picture. See, when we're on the ground, there's often times where we can't see things from a certain distance. We, we can't see them with our eye, and yet when we get up high, we can begin to see them. And I think God is saying to his church and to his people, I need you to see that this story is so much bigger than just you. I think you need to see that this story that I'm writing across the pages of history and humanity is so much bigger than just what's right in front of you. See, when we begin to see the, the broader picture, we begin to understand that to be missional is to see ourselves as, God's, as a part of God's grand redemptive story. It's to walk in step with what God is already doing. Aren't you glad that you don't have to come up with the mission? Although sometimes I wonder if we feel like we do. Aren't you glad that God says, listen, here's the mission field, and I'm already at work in it, and all I'm asking you to, to, to do is to join me there. This morning, we're going to go to the pages of God's Word in Genesis 12, to a story where God reveals his mission to a man in the Bible by the name of Abraham. And he reveals his mission by sending Abraham into the world. Here's what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I find it interesting what God says to Abraham. He says to Abraham, listen, I need you to leave the comfort of your home country. Now, Abraham 
was Jewish through and through. This is the nation that he was born in, raised in. This is what he knew. And he said to Abraham, I need you to leave the comforts of your own, of your own home. And I need you to go to a place that I will show you. And it's there, Abraham, that I will bless people through you, that many nations will come to know me through your influence. But here's what I find interesting. God didn't say to Abraham, Abraham, wait right here. And once I show you where it is you're supposed to go, then Abraham, I want you to go. Now, now listen to what he said. He said, go, Abraham, go to the land that I am sending you to, that I will show you, and there you will be a blessing. And I love that because here's what happened. It wasn't that Abraham waited until God showed him where he was to go. God showed Abraham where he was to go once Abraham began to go. I love that. Don't miss that today. He said, God said to Abraham, listen, start going. Start being sent out. And as you go along the way, I'm going to show you the way. But how many times, church, do we as God's people, we sit and we say, God, once you give me the plan and you let me know exactly what it is and line it all out and give me all the resources I need, then, God, I'll go. And God says, no, you've got it backwards. Start going. Because when we start going, what does that require? Faith. When we say, God, I don't have all the pieces together. I just know that you're telling me to get moving. So, God, I'm going to depend on you. And, God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. But, God, I'm just going to start moving. I'm going to move in the direction that you're leading me. And, God, you're going to show me along the way what it is that I'm supposed to do. God, I'm trusting in you. I love this story of how God calls Abraham to a deeper faith. But that's a pretty tall order for one guy, wouldn't you say? I mean, Abraham, go to unfamiliar territory, to a country where you're probably not going to speak their language. You're not going to know their customs. You're not going to understand everything about this people, but I, I want you to, to go there. And I wonder how many of us ever feel like we're in unfamiliar territory. Do any of you ever walk into the office on Monday morning and you think you're in foreign territory? I wonder if some of you ever even walk into your homes and you feel like you're on unfamiliar territory. Family who doesn't know God. I wonder if we feel like that sometimes in our neighborhood. I don't know what the, the culture is here in that, in, in, this, in, in your context, but in my context, we have the garage syndrome in my neighborhood. It's called as I pull up into my driveway, I open my garage, I put my car in my garage, and I close my garage back down, and my neighbors never see me. Do you guys do that here? Maybe you're more friendly than we are in St. Louis. Sometimes I feel like I'm in foreign territory. How do I connect with my neighbor Jackie beside me? How do I connect with her? How do I tell her about the love of Jesus? And, and so there's many times where we, we look at our, our context and we look at our everyday lives and we go, God, I am on foreign territory here. I don't know what the next step is. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment and would you just extend your palms just upward, just out like this? With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just simply say this? Lord, here am I. 
send me. Father, I pray in the next few moments that your spirit would fall on us and that you would speak to hearts. God, I believe that you want to do a work here today, and I believe that there are people here that you are calling to go and to be sent out. Lord, help us to be obedient to that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll never forget the moment that Chris and I moved into Beaumont, Texas, where we had been called to plant a church. We had been asked to move to Beaumont to plant a church that's referred to as a parachute drop. And the reason it's referred to that is uh, there was no mother church like Rosewood uh, to plant out of. There was no church in our city to plant out of. And so we parachuted into Beaumont as the church planters, and we began, we built a church from connections that we made in our community. That's how we were going to build the church. And I remember moving into Beaumont, Texas. It was about midnight when Chris and I pulled in to the home that we were moving into, and I have to tell you that the silence was deafening. There was nobody there to greet us with jerk chicken and some good food, some kind of good food. By the way, whoever made the jerk chicken on Friday night, you rock. Best jerk chicken I ever had. It's amazing. Nobody there to greet us. There was no church family for us to connect to. Nobody knew that we had moved to the city of Beaumont to plant a church, and quite frankly, nobody cared at that point. Nobody knew what we were there for. And God began to work. Over the next 14 months, we were in our community. We began to just uh, work and meet people. We prayed for God-appointed conversations on the soccer field and in the coffee shop. God orchestrated that in so many ways. I wouldn't have enough time to tell you how God showed up. But let me tell you about one thing that God did. See, the reality is that sometimes when we join God on his mission in the world, we have to lay aside our own ideas of what that looks like. So we had a building that we, were, um, uh, that we had put on the market. Our, our district had a church building um, that was a, a Nazarene church that had closed down six years prior to our arrival. And they had decided when we moved there, they said that the church is on the market to be sold. And so uh, if you want, we'll go ahead and sell the church and you can go plant a, a church wherever you want to in the city. And we're thinking, that's great. Because here's what we were thinking. We thought, we'll plant a church in a movie theater. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Or maybe we'll plant a church in a strip center, some, a strip mall center somewhere. You know, we had all these ideas of what it would look like to be a cool, trendy church plant, right? That was our idea. Like, man, we got this. We know how we're going to connect to our community. So we went to this church building that was on the market and they asked us just to, to walk through it every once in a while just to make sure everything was in order. It was in a community that the church had all but left. It would have been considered a, a fairly um, diverse community. Beaumont, uh, the city of Beaumont is about 50% uh, people there live at or below the poverty line. It's a very diverse city, um, but yet there are strong racial lines that are still there, racial oppression that is still very prevalent there. And this community, this, the church had basically left this community, and yet there was so much need there. But, but yet God, sometimes God has to kind of hit you over the head before you get it right. So I was walking through, and Chris said, I'm just going to go walk around the neighborhood. I'm just curious what this neighborhood is like. And he had been gone for like an hour, and I'm thinking to myself, oh dear, you know, what's happened? You know, and he walks back into the church. I'll never forget it. He looks directly at me, and he says, Lindley, we're not leaving here. 
was like, what do you mean we're not leaving here? I mean, I'm hungry. I want to go to lunch. And he's like, no, you don't understand. We're not leaving this place. We're not selling this building. I'm like, are you sure about that? Because I really had an idea of what God wanted to do in this whole thing. We had our whole plan figured out. He said, no, you don't understand. The last hour, I've been walking and praying around this neighborhood, and I have seen young children and single moms out on their porches, and I've seen grandparents out on their porches watching after their grandchildren, and I've talked to people in this community, and I'm just telling you, God's not done here. And this is what I want you to hear today. God is already at work in communities and cities. We just have to find where that is and get in step with him. And so Chris said, he said, now listen, I got to call the DS and tell him to take the church off the market. I'm like, are you really sure? He's like, no, 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 I'm really sure. So he called our DS right there in the lobby of this building. He calls our DS and our DS says, Chris, I cannot believe this. He said, now I have to ask you first, are you sure Chris said, no, you don't understand. God has said, we're not done in this community. I said, okay. He said, but I have to tell you, I just received this morning a full price offer for this church. And it was from a different religion. And he said, and I was praying, God, please don't let the message of your gospel leave this community. He said, I was praying today that God would somehow work this out. And he said, I was actually specifically praying that somehow God would put a burden on your heart that he's not done here. And he said, the fact that you're calling me just tells me that this is a God thing. See, God is already at work in his community. The question just simply is, will we go join him there? And what a powerful thing when just a few months later, On our launch Sunday, over 200 people came through those doors from our community. Praise God. Over the next three years, over 200 people gave their hearts to the Lord. Praise God. See, the reality is, church, he's already outside the four walls of this building. He's already there. The question just simply is, will we join him there? Another important truth about God's mission that we can't miss is this. To participate in God's mission is to go. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, sit still and God will bring his mission to you. The church, I wonder how many times we've lived as if that's the truth. Just sitting, waiting. Just waiting for the world to come to us. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, his last words that he speaks to his followers is this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say, go. Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh, that God would restore our passion to join him in the world where he already is. Oh, that God, church, would restore our passion to live on mission with him in the world. Oh, that God would allow us to become a people who are sent by him into the world. You know, this is God's story. What is the greatest number in the Bible, would you say? What would you say is the greatest number in the Bible? The greatest number in the Bible is zero, 2 Peter 3, 9. It is not God's will that any 
would perish. It's God's will that zero would live in an eternal hell. It's God's will that all people, all nations, from every tribe and every tongue would come into an eternal saving relationship with him. And oh, I've heard it before, church, and I know that you have too, where people, the people of God will say, oh, the, law, the world is so lost. Isn't that such a shame? Listen, if the world is lost and searching for hope, it's not their fault that they can't find it, church, it's ours. That's an amen and ouch kind of statement, right? Amen, but boy, that hurt. The world is searching for hope, and church, we have it. We have hope. I just wonder if somewhere along the way we have lost our passion for the message of the gospel. One of the most powerful things I've ever heard about spreading the gospel came from General Superintendent J.K. Warwick. He was talking about spreading the seed onto soil, and he said this. He said, I wonder, church, have we lost our belief in the power of the seed? Have we lost our belief that there's actually power in the message of the gospel, that people are still dying and hungry to hear that they don't have to live in a life of bondage and sin, that there is hope for their marriages, that there is hope for their children, that there is hope to be free from the sin that entangles us. I believe that the world is searching for this message, and church, we cannot be silent anymore. He's calling us to move out question just simply is, will we join him? Do we believe that God still has the power to save? And do we believe that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us? Because if we believe that, then we will believe the promise in Ezekiel eleven nineteen that tells us, I will give them an undivided heart, and I will put a new spirit in them, and I will remove from them their heart of stone, and I will give them a heart of flesh. We believe that God can melt every heart of stone. God can and will fulfill his mission to restore people back into a loving relationship with him. The simple question, is will we join him in his mission? Imagine that you were one of the followers of Jesus as he commissioned his followers to go and make all disciples. There would have been about a hundred followers that heard the message that day. We have to understand that these followers lived in the Roman Empire, an empire that had 65 to 75 million people in it, stretched across three continents. It was a very wicked empire. It was a very pluralistic empire. Every flavor of religion was embraced. Religious tolerance is not a new thing, by the way, church. It's been going on for centuries. The Roman Empire, it was a wicked empire. There was sexual immorality. The world was a mess. Sometimes we look at the world today and we go, what a mess it is. But here's the reality. Even though our problems are different and with technology now we can see the darkness and evil around us, we must never forget that darkness and evil and confusion and despair is not a new reality and norm for the world. So here's these hundred followers. And Jesus says, I want to take you up to the 40,000-foot perspective. I want you to see the world. 
And he says to these hundred followers, he says, now go and make disciples of all nations in all places. And these hundred Christians in just a little over three centuries managed to spread the gospel to the entire Roman Empire. 65 million people who were now being saturated with the message of the gospel. And we think spreading the gospel today is difficult. Go back to those times when there were rulers like Nero who would light, literally light up Christians, set them on fire and use them as human torches for his garden parties. See, the reality is the the message of the gospel and God followers have always met opposition to spread the gospel. And, And yet here they were in the midst of all of this and the gospel was spreading like wildfire. And so I just have to ask myself and I have to ask us as a church, what's our excuse? Because if 100 followers in just a little over three centuries could spread the gospel in so many areas and it could become so far and widespread, then why can't the church today? I believe God would say, you can. I'm calling you on mission. See, the same message of the gospel that those hundred followers preached is the same gospel that's changing lives today. It hasn't changed I love this uh, show that's put out by National Geographic. It's called Combat Rescue. And the premise of this is there's an elite group of soldiers that it's their job to go into war zones and to wait outside of the war zone in an area, in in somewhat of a a holding area. And and they sit around this computer and this alarm that's kind of rigged in their tent. They sit in this complex waiting for the alarm to sound. They have all of their equipment ready. They have their helicopters gassed up and ready to go. And when the alarm sounds, what it's telling these soldiers is that there's somebody, there's another comrade that has been wounded in battle. There's an active battle going on. And so this elite team gathers together when they hear the alarm. They go to the helicopter with all of their equipment. They go into the very middle of the battlefield in order to pick up their wounded comrade, and bring him back to safety. Church, the alarm has sounded. The alarm has sounded. And there are battlefields all around us where people are wounded, where people are searching for hope. And we are here as God's people, and he has sounded his alarm. And the answer simply is, are we ready to go? Or do we just sit around and go, man, that alarm is annoying, isn't it? Would somebody turn that off? Or we say, man, I'm just, we're not ready. Can you imagine how that comrade on the battlefield would feel if those who were supposed to be ready to come rescue him didn't? They weren't ready. But they were ready. And church, I would say to us, we're ready. We don't have to fall into this mentality that says we don't have enough resources. We don't have the people. We don't have the know-how. Listen, if Jesus has transformed your life, then you are ready because you have been changed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and your story can change someone else. You have all you need. 
It's time for us to quit giving those excuses. And it's time for us to go. Everybody say go. go. Look at your neighbor and say go. go. Now look back at your neighbor and say, well, you go too. <laughs> God is calling us, church, to go. The question just simply is, will we? Oh, that we would be a people who would truly be sent. Oh, that we would be a people that would never be satisfied living in our own reality while the world around us is dying and searching for hope. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's what I believe, church. I believe that there are some in here today that God is knocking on your heart's door and he is saying to you, I am sending you. I believe in a room this size that there are some of you that God would be pleased if you would go and plant a church. He would be pleased if you would start a new ministry in your neighborhood. He would be pleased if you'd start a new Bible study in your workplace. He would be pleased if you would share your faith with that person that you see each and every week as you go into the coffee shop to buy a cup of coffee. I believe as a church, he would be pleased if we as God's people and as his church would say, Lord, we will not be defined by our building, our space, our ministries. We will not be defined by that. What will we be defined by? We'll be defined by what God's word says. They will know that we are yours by our love, our love for the world. We will love the world enough to bring them the message of hope that has changed us. And I believe that God may be speaking to you this morning as we end in a time of worship. If God's speaking to you today, church, I would just ask you to do one of the most courageous things that, that you might ever do, and that is to step out into your aisle and to make your way forward to this altar. Altars have been used for centuries as a place where God's people come and just simply surrender themselves. It's just simply an act of surrender, saying, God, I don't care who's looking, I don't care what's around me, but God, right now I've got to get to you, and so I'm going to kneel here as a sign of humility, as a sign of service to you. As we worship today, even those in the balcony, I would invite you, if God is speaking to your heart today, to come to be sent, to say, Lord, wherever it is that you want to send me, God, I will go. Amen. If that's you this morning, I would invite you to come Amen. as we worship.